0: Thank you, Paul. It's a privilege to be here with you, and I'm going to try to take in the next few minutes uh, some time to tell you a bit of my journey and what God's done in my life over this season of time. And my theme tonight is: I want to talk about the Father's love and the Father's blessing, and what God has done in the bit of the journey. And this message has been about 50 plus years in the making. So, uh, to condense that into about 30 minutes, it will take a miracle from heaven. But I'm going to give my best shot. Um, my wife and I have been married for nearly 40 years, and we have five grandchildren, two daughters and five grandkids, the youngest, the youngest of which is uh, just turned six. But uh, she's, she's this uh, delightfully outgoing child that, that is, uh, well, they're all joy to our hearts. But this one, i got to tell the story of this one. She comes running into our house and opens the door and says, Nanny, Papa, ta-da, I'm here. And, and her personality fills the room with, with that sense of, I belong, I'm here, you've been waiting for me, I am the answer to everything you need. You know, that kind of a sense. And then if, if we are a little slow to pick up on the fact that she wants hugs and kisses, she'll say to us something like this. She said, have I told you today how much I love you? And it's this bait, you know, and we play this game, well, have I told you today how much I love you? And then it's just no, but have I told you today how much? And she "And I love you as much as this. And then we get into this game trying to figure out who loves the other the most, right? And she always ends with a trump card. Well, I love you as big as a whole wide universe, ha. And then she ends there. <laughs> I think that's the kind of game that heaven must play with us. You know, if we really understood the heart of the Father, the way he loves us, his love is eternal. In Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, I pray for you that you might know the love of the Father, the height, the breadth, the depth, the width. And he goes on and says that you would spend your life trying to discover this kind of love that passes understanding. In other words, spend your entire life discovering this, but you'll never be able to fully figure it out. Because something about God's love and his grace and his kindness just doesn't compute. Because when I look at me, I look at you, well, let's rephrase this. When I look at you, I think, this is an amazing group of people here. There is more value in this room than all of Fort Knox times a billion. I know that's true. I know it's true. But when I look at me, I'm not so sure that Jesus made a good choice some days. You know what I'm talking about? Just imagine with me you know what I'm talking about, because you never have those kind of thoughts, those thoughts of self-doubt, those thoughts of I'm not sure if I'm good enough to really deserve God's love? Can we just settle that fact right now that none of us are? None of us. And yet, and yet, it's not really about what we think about ourselves. It's what God thinks about us. Because every one of us that are shoppers understand this next principle. The principle is this, that that the value determines the purchase price, and the purchase price demonstrates the value. You know, my first car was $400 pickup truck. Can you imagine what it looked like? But if I had a Lamborghini parked in, and I do not, by the way, I have a minivan. I'm a minivan driver. I have grandchildren. We have not graduated from outside minivans because my wife says, we have babies, Papa. We have babies. By the way, my name is Papa to my family. My wife is Nana. But the the value determines the purchase price, and the purchase price demonstrates the value. Let me back up and say this very quickly. What was your purchase price? You were bought with the price, the blood. blood of the Lamb. Your purchase price was a very blood, very life of the Son of God, perfect in all His ways. So when God looks at you, what is the price tag he places on you? What, does, what is the value that he uses and attaches to you? It's beyond value, beyond price. I'm not worthy, you're not worthy, but God says we are because of Jesus. And when he looks at you and he looks at me, he says, you are loved. You are valued. And the uh, Malachi chapter, well, if it's okay tonight, I'm just going to skip around a little bit and just kind of speak from here. If that's okay. I want to speak more from my heart than from my notes. So I probably won't refer to this much, if that's okay. I, wanna s- I felt as we were in worship that God says, just... The time that I have is just a time to spill over. I hope that I can spill over in my love for God and have that infect you. I'm hoping that today that I can start an epidemic here, actually a pandemic. I want you all to be infected, but not by Ebola, but by agape. (laughs) That you would be impacted by the love of God and that you would become lifelong carriers of the disease of his love. But in Malachi chapter 4, you know this passage very well. Let me just quickly refer to it. This prophet, seeing a day that was yet to come, is to see I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day when the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and smite the land with a curse. He does not say in this passage he would come and turn the hearts, the minds of the fathers to the children. He come and turn the hearts. I believe I'm standing facing a generation of young men and women who are going to capture this concept. And I'm hoping there will be a few people like Paul and myself that can model this in some way. There will be a turning of the hearts. Men and women who will stand up and say enough enough, I heard it in you. So clearly, I just wanted to get up and have an altar call at the end of your announcement today. Wasn't that great that God broke her heart for these kids? That's the heart of the Father being expressed through us. God spoke to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many, multitudes of people. And then he said this, I'm going to bless you, and through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God's intention is that we would stand under the pipeline of his blessing, that we'd understand the power of God, his favor, his blessing, his richness, not so that we would just hold on to it, but so that we could become a conduit to give it away, to be people that are blessing, people that give away the love of God, people that that walk around and we are so saturated with the love of God that we squish and we squeak and we leak everywhere that we go, the love of God. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you can quote every scripture. It's not what it says. Though, know we're disciples because we love one another. Love is this pre- predominant thing. My heart is that we would understand that that God is the God of, of love. But God is a God of blessing. I'm going to tell a bit of my story, a bit of my journey tonight, and and just in 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 very kind of outline skeleton form. I. I my wife and I, many years ago, more than 30 years ago, were involved with Youth with the Mission YWAM. YWAM, yeah. All the Y members in the room, we've had the Father Heart of God teaching. You've been there, done that. So we were, we, we were in the teaching. And I'm sitting there as a, young, as a young dad, we had our children with us in YWAM, and I was saying, God, I just want to know you more. And God, I feel like you're silent to me. God, I feel like you're distant. Everybody else has this wonderful, close, intimate relationship with you. And I feel like you're a billion miles away sometimes. Now, not all the time, but just sometimes. That was what I was saying to God in the middle of this time of prayer and intercession. Uh, this next moment I'm about to describe became a defining moment in my life one of those times where God began me on a journey to discover his heart and to discover his Father's blessing. But as I'm pouring out my heart, God, I just want to know you. I just want to see your face. God, I just want to know you more. And I had this picture. I had this picture of God who was uh, hovering over the earth, and and he was so attentive to all these critical needs and and, and epidemics and all the stuff that was going on on the earth. And I was standing behind him, and looking at god's back he was there he was busy he was preoccupied and in that moment had another flash and i saw my own father and my dad was let me pause and put a comma here in my story my dad was a godly man he was a licensed minister he loved jesus he loved his family but my dad didn't know how to, to communicate his love to his kids just couldn't do it so he was the strong silent type maybe that was a conditioning of the culture where he didn't want to spoil his kids but my dad could not say love you proud of you doing a good job couldn't do it just could not get those words out of his mouth and my dad was the busy guy that was he was you know probably a workaholic if I could use that phrase for the sake of time here he was always busy and I remember my picture of my dad was that I knew he was always available to me if I really needed him He'd be there. All I had to do was say, dad, and he'd be there. But my picture of my father and myself was that he was busy doing things. I was running to catch up with him, looking at his back. And I realized what I had done in that moment is I had projected the image of my father, his good points and his flaws. I projected that onto my heavenly father and my heavenly father in my mind became like my father. And God showed me the fallacy of that in that moment. And then and as I'm, I'm crying, I'm saying, God, but I want to I know you better. I want to know you more. I'll talk about my dad in just a little bit, perhaps further in the story. But as I'm crying out to God in that time, in that YWIM setting, one of the young men picked up a guitar and began to, to strum the guitar. And as he's strumming the guitar, I, I see this picture of God hovering over the, the, the earth. And as, as he's hovering, he turns and he looks at me and I see the smile on his face. I see the face of God. I don't know what that does to you theologically, but I can't tell you what it looked like. All I knew is he was looking at me. And all I saw was love, pure love. And I began to weep. And at the same time, my friend began to play, Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. That moment changed my life. And I realized I had a Father, a Heavenly Father, who loved me dearly and loved me deeply, who was committed to my care, but more so, who was committed to relationship with me. He wanted to be my dad. He wanted to be my father. If you read my journals today, the way I start my journal almost every day is Abba. Not Abba. It's it's Daddy God. It's, It's Father. It's a term of endearment. I am learning what it means to be a child, a son of the Most High God. That became a a life-changing moment for me where I I shifted from this concept of God who was there and was busy and attentive to all the needs. But you see, I was the good kid, the quiet kid. I was a kid that was the introvert, that didn't cause any trouble. And so I figured that, you know what, I, I didn't want to bother God because I didn't have those big issues. I was the firstborn. I was the responsible one. I was born in a pastor's family. I was all that stuff. But the message that I interpreted... And I inherited was that I was unnoticed, I was not needed, I was insignificant, because God would clamor to the needs of people around me who had these big problems. But what I interpreted God's behavior to be was that of of, well, son, if you really need me, I'm there for you. But that's not what the scripture tells us. The word of God And in the incredible passage we find in Ephesians chapter 1, which is one of my favorite passages. Let me read these few verses to you. Just listen as I read this from the New Living Translation. I'm learning that God is my Father. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ even before he made the world. God loved us, and he chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. And he forgave us our sins. He showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and all understanding. You see, for Steve, the young man, he was so desperate for the love of God. I had decided that that I was outside of God's reach. No, not really outside God's reach. I mean, there were other, you guys and others were so much more valuable to God than I was. That was my own insecurity. That was my stuff. It wasn't God's stuff. And God began to break through to me and began to speak to me and teach me how valuable I was to him. Even before he made the world, he loved us and he chose us. I struggle with performance. Anybody else? If I do more, God will love me more. Yeah, I struggle with that. I, I think I get victory. I think I've gotten victory. And then guess what? I do it all over again. And God says, Look, I love you even if you never did another thing for me. My grandson taught me that. My grandson, when he was just a little tech, he's now 15 years old and is six foot two and looks down on me at 15. This just is not fair. <laughs> it is not fair. But there's something about holding him in my arms for the first time. And I thought, This little guy has so captured my love. I would give everything for him. Hadn't done anything. Hadn't washed the car. Hadn't taken out the trash. Matter of fact, the next several years of his life was largely, next year and a half to two years, largely spent spitting up on my nice suit just as I get up to preach. Did that once. Trying to light my house on fire by sticking a tissue into a candle and dropping it onto the carpet in my house. I mean, can I fill in the blanks? He was, all boy. I didn't love him because of his performance or lack thereof. I loved him because he belonged to me. He's my grandson. And God began to teach me about his fatherhood because of my grandson and my grandchildren. It's been an amazing sight. But God's love, the scripture tells us he loved us from before the earth's foundation, before, before the beginning was the concept. Before, before the beginning, before anything existed, God loved you. No performance attached to this. Just because you are you. He saw you. He knew you. Scripture tells us that God knew you before the world was formed and he knew your name. Scripture tells us he knew where you live, the details of your life. Think about that. And that heaven waited with bated breath for your birth. Some of you were not celebrated. Some of you picked up messages from family and friends that you were a mistake. Or worse yet, wish you hadn't been here. You should not have been born. That's not what God says. Regardless of what parents or friends or family may have told you, God says, I've been waiting for you. I knew you. I chose you. What does choosing sound like to you? Well, I I think the fact that God chose me sounds like loved, wanted, anticipated, valued, affirmed, approved. God chose me. That should be life transforming. Not a single one of you is an afterthought, and also ran. Not a single one of us in this room or on this planet is a person that has no value or destiny. Every single person breathes their first breath and inhales God's plans and purposes. You don't know what they are because you haven't discovered them yet, but God has a unique, singular purpose for you that nobody else on the planet could ever possibly do except you. That's the promise of God. I believe that with all my heart. I was a shy kid who was set at the back of the class and would not stand. I would get sick for the first several years I was a pastor every Sunday morning, sick as in going, throwing up. until I encountered the love of God that was not based on performance that God loved me and was pleased with me just because my heart was in the right place, as he is for you too. But this scripture goes on and tells us a couple more things. The scripture also says that God decided in advance to adopt us into, into his family. You see, we're not just next-door neighbors. We're not somebody else's kids that come and, you know, it's great. The Anderson home here is open. People come and go, I love that. But his family, not just the, you're not just a neighborhood house. But the family of God has open door policy where you're not just a neighbor, you're not, and you certainly are not slave children. It's not about servitude and serving God. It's about the fact that God predestined you to be family. He says before the foundation of the world, he chose us and decided in advance that you would be adopted. Think about that for a second. In advance, God decided. When God decides something, Have you ever tried to change his mind? Have you ever won an argument with God? You probably don't want to try. Because if you ever win an argument with God, you've lost already, just so you know. Because if you get your way, that's not a good sign. And it's not not, not a good outcome. But God's plan was before the foundation of the world that you would be adopted into his family. That's what scripture says. You already have his favor in advance. Stop trying to win God's favor. His name is Jason, and I met Jason, he's, he just turned 40. We just celebrated his 40th birthday. He has spent at least half of his life in prison. We have, in our church, we have a ministry, uh, an alpha prison ministry, and they invite me to come into the prison at graduation time, usually at the end of a 10- or 12-week program. And my job is to be Papa Steve, though we don't tell the, the prisoners that, and to pray over them as they, they're handed their certificate, their certificate of completion or graduation. And this is a big deal for a guy or a gal in prison, to to actually finish something. That's a big deal for them. And they have me come in, and and I will give them their certificate, and I will say, would you like me to pray for you? I have yet to have anyone turn me down. Everybody wants to be prayed for. And so Jason was one of those men that came, that came up, and as I began to – I have this little thing that I do sometimes where I'll, I will – What's your name? And they'll tell me their name. i say, oh, okay. Can I pray for you? Absolutely. And then I'm, I'm stalling for time, just for a few moments, because I'm trying to hear what the Heavenly Father wants to say to them. For those of you that are familiar with the concept of spiritual gifts, I'm waiting for a word of knowledge. I'm waiting for a heaven's download into my mind, just a thought that I could pray over them. And I do that. And so I, for Jason, I said, you're a leader among leaders, but you camouflage this incredibly tender heart for people you, you you're a pastor in prison what are you doing here and God says this and this and this about you you're a remarkable man and the guys in the prison were all like and I and they said you just read his mail I didn't read his mail I didn't know him but God spoke to me in that moment and said Jason is yours adopt him I didn't physically do that he was in his 30s but I made a decision to Jason I would visit him in prison he became my my inmate I was on his visitor list, I would go see him every other week and I would spend two hours with him. I discipled him in prison. Jason is now out of prison in our church and growing in his faith. Jason, I want to tell you a story. He was 14 years old and from a product of of, of a really messed up family background, very, very dysfunctional family. His dad kicked him out at age 14. He was on the streets in Edmonton, Northern Canada at age 14. Having to find his own way, fend for himself, make a living, survive on the streets. So he did what, what most people do in that environment. He got into the selling of drugs. He figured out pretty quickly there was no money at the bottom of the food chain. So he began to sell drugs in the kilo version of cocaine, meth, those kinds of things. He was, he was, the, he was the supplier for the street guys. He, he found a way to survive. Because at the core, and this is the core of my message, every one of us, the Father's blessing, every one of us need these three primary things, a sense of identity, high value, and bright future. That's the essence of the Father's blessing. He did not receive that from his dad, so he went looking for identity in all the wrong places. He found identity in the gang called the Red Scorpions. And within that gang, a very notorious gang on the west coast of Canada, he found, he found family, but not the right kind of family. He was looking for a sense of high value. He could not find any value that satisfied within himself, so he found substitutes. You know, the cars, the lifestyle, the parties, the notoriety. He found value that was superficial and temporary at best. Got taken away from him, and when I saw him, he was in, he was in the, the orange, the prison oranges. That's pretty humiliating, working for 14 cents a day, 14 cents an hour in the kitchen at the prison. But that problem with Bright Future, I mean, that was the problem one because most gang members only lived to be about 30. He'd already outlived the average lifespan of a gang member. And the sense of Bright Future, there was nothing for him. Here he was. His life was to be either in prison or to be dead. And he knew that. He said to me, I'm at the end. I have nowhere else to go. One of his first candid conversations with me. And that moment, in a moment of clarity, I spoke to him and said, God has a plan for you. God can take your story, rewrite it, and use you for his glory. He's not done with you yet, Jason. And Jason clings to that pr- promise. I began to just speak to him. He calls me dad. And I believe that God has a pl- I'm looking forward to the day when I can speak into Jason's life and I can stand uh, up front with him somewhere like here and have him tell you his story, the way he's discovered and encountered the healing love of God that rewrote his story. Some of you perhaps have had pretty dark family histories, difficult stories, Jason, this is one of the worst I've ever heard. The abuse, the neglect, breaks my heart. I, I leave the prison after visiting, and I weep my way home on the freeway, saying, it's just isn't fair that anyone should have to experience this kind of neglect and abuse. It's just it's the, the rejection that he carries. To this day, he, he'll, he'll, he still tests me. Early on, he tests me by the things that he would say to see if I was legit or not. He was seeing how far I would really go before I would say, okay, I'm done with you. At first, it was his language. And Then it was his stories. And I finally said, okay, Jason, one thing you have to realize right now. I, look, I've worked with some of the, the nastiest guys on the planet, just so you know, and I'm not going to reject you. Just give it up, okay? Just give it up. I know the game. I see what you're trying to do here. And if you're testing me, I'm going to pass this test just so you know. So why don't we just give that a rest? And he goes, okay, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Was it that transparent? Yeah, it's pretty transparent. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to be for real here, okay? I want you to be real too. I believe God has a plan. God, the Father, loves you, and I do too. I'm committed to your growth. We're going to get through this. I stood up before the judge one day when he was being, when he, uh, was, was being sentenced, and I said, I will vouch for him. I, I commit to be his mentor in prison and out. And so that's where we are. I stay true to my word. He told me I was the only person who has ever been truthful to him in his entire life. That's not a commentary on me. Actually, that's a commentary on society. That broke my heart. The point that I could make if I had a weekend to teach this in a seminar format, which I do sometimes, I developed this thought. I'm just kind of skipping the stone across the top of the pond here today. But the truth is, as I sit here looking at you, about 70% of you have known abuse in some form or another. That's stats. Many of you have known neglect. Many of you have known the sting of rejection. It's just part of the the fallenness and brokenness of this planet. But my word prophetically to you, right out of uh, the book of Malachi, is that in the last days, he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the kids and the hearts of the children to the fathers. This is a generation that needs to understand the father's blessing and the father's love in a whole new way. This is God's heart for you. I didn't make this up. This is not some bandwagon. I'm on. you need it desperately. Because where you have insecurities is based around the fact that you don't feel adequate or worthy because you don't know how much the father values you. When you understand the the depth of God's love, it rewrites your entire life. Rewrites it with a security and a confidence and enables you to stand up with faith and say, God, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. I made a decision. This is my life message. Have you figured that out by now? I made a decision many years ago when my children were small. I talked about my own father was a great guy, but he couldn't just get those words out. I taught my dad how to say I love you over the telephone as my mother was dying of cancer. He would I was pastoring in California, Central California, and my dad would call or I would call and get an update and I, I just I determined to put into practice what God had been teaching me about his love. So I would say to my father, Dad, I love you and he uh uh yeah, yeah and he'd hang up the phone. He could not get the words out of his mouth. I'm not kidding. But over a period of weeks and months, finally I heard, I love you you too, I love you too. Finally, if I prompted it, it would flow. But I determined that, that I was gonna live my life differently, that I did not have to be handicapped by that, that there is a perfect Heavenly Father who's perfect in all his ways and he's available to me, that I don't have to be bound by the circumstances of my upbringing or the brokenness in my own family of origin that, uh, that I could actually take what the enemy intended for evil and have God turn it for good in my life, which is what I ter- determined. I decided that I would be, that I would be a different kind of a dad, that I would never allow my children to, to ever doubt, not for a millisecond my love and my commitment to them. So we have this thing in our family oh, there's another soundbite here that, that I decided that we would if we felt it and thought it and it was a word of affirmation, if it was positive and uplifting that we would speak it. If you think it and it's positive, gotta speak it. That was the rule in our house. And I made the decision that I would be the most vocal, affirming father on the planet. No, I'm certain that I'm not. But that was my life goal. So my children, every time we're together, every time we're on the phone, love you, sweetheart, love you, dad. And that became just as natural as breathing for us. And I told the story at the onset of my time about my my youngest grandchild. That is how we live our life and our family. Because I want my kids to grow up with such a sense of confidence and security, not just in my love, but I'm wondering but also on the heavenly father's love, so that they can take that and they can be a blessing to the nations. I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. The Father's love for you communicates high value, communicates a sense of identity. Who are you in Christ? Well, in that passage in Ephesians that I read, he says we're we're family. You're family. You're not just some orphan kid that he picked up and said, you know what? I'm feeling kind of bad, like a stray cat on the you know, back alley. No, that's not how God views you. He says, I, before the foundation of the world, I made a decision to adopt you. Identity. You're mine. You've been bought with a price. You're mine. High value. Think about this for a minute. The things that we value, and the people that we value. How often do you think about them? I mean, pretty regularly. Remember, it's those of you that, that are dating or have dated, you know the picture? And you can kind of be a little bit almost obsessed with the other person. Get that picture. What does God say about you? He says, My thoughts concerning you are more than the sand of the sea, more than the stars of the sky, if they could be numbered. What God's communicating to us is that his love for you is overwhelming. No, God's perfect in his love, agape. He's not infatuated with you, but he loves you. And his thoughts, his attention, his focus never leaves you. Matter of fact, the scripture says, the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the whole earth that he may strongly support the man or the woman, if I can interject, whose heart is completely devoted to him. That's God's attention. He's looking. He's looking with a bated breath. We need to understand that high value, but also a bright future. God knows the plans he has for you, says the Lord. That passage in Jeremiah 29 that's on every coffee cup and every Christian bookstore on the world, the the background for that is that God was speaking to Israel, the the nation who had just been taken into captivity in Babylon. Seventy years were pronounced for captivity. And God says to them, I will not forget you. Even when we're not at our best, they were being disciplined for their turning away from God. God says, I will not forget you. And he says, after these 70 years are accomplished, I will bring you back back to this land. So God's favor is not only on you. The plans I have for you, says the Lord, for good, not for evil, to give you a future and hope, not only when you're performing at the top of your game, but when you have turned your back on God. My plans for you. Can we turn the culture on his ear? Can we be the people that makes a difference? I was we, we do this in our family and the way we do it, I, I don't have time to teach on the content of the blessing, but basically it's those three things. But we do it in a thousand different ways. We do it at our birthday times where we'll take whoever the birthday person is and we just, in our family, we'll just gather around them and our, our six-year-old uh, just had her sixth birthday. So I took her on my lap. She curled up on my lap. She's this petite little thing. It snuggles right up in, on Papa. And then we went around the room and every single one of us spoke some word of blessing over her life, just a sentence or two. And I got to Papa, and I was the last one. True story. Just in August. And, I, and everybody else has said these wonderful things. And I said, dear Jesus. And I just started to weep over her. And I could not get words out of my mouth. I could not say anything else. All I could do was weep. And something captured me. You know, and I, I could not get any words out. And she looked at me, and she, she wiped the tears from my face and said, Papa, are you going to pray? <laughs> and everybody burst into It broke the moment, and everybody started to laugh at me. But she was wiping the tears from my face and frankly, it didn't matter if I said a word or not. Something of my heart leaked out and communicated to her that she was valuable to me. So valuable that I was was without words. I'm telling you stories of my life, not because I'm good at this. I am not. But I made a decision that this would be the focus of my life because Scripture says, this is what he wants in the last days. The hearts of the fathers to turn to the children. The hearts of the children back to the dads. Dads. Spiritual dads. Natural dads. For those of you who have heard messages that says that you're not valuable, you're not worthwhile, you'll never amount to anything, the, Holy, the Heavenly Father and the Holy Father says, that's not true. That's not true. It doesn't matter if a million people said that about you. It's not true. God looks at you and sees in you value and purpose. He delights in you. He rejoices over you with singing. He celebrates the day you were born. He looks forward to the day that you pass from this life into the next. It says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Every single moment of your day, every hair on your head is counted. Think about that for a second. Every detail of your life is known by God. Why? Because he's some kind of cyber stalker? No. Because you matter to him, that's the message of Scripture. You matter to him. Identity, high value, bright future. Let me model this, and I think we're just going to pray. I don't know many. Uh, I don't know you folks at all. Thank you for allowing me to come and just kind of, kind of randomly talk out, out of my heart, not from my notes. But uh, it's Katie, isn't it? Katie, do you mind if I use you for an example of this? Okay. Met Katie in the pre, pre-service prayer time, and, and I just had this thought as, as you were leading us in prayer. Uh, and I heard the Lord say, we, you call her Katie, but I call her Anna. The Anna in the Bible character was Anna in the temple. Just loved to stay there. She was a widow, spent her whole life in the temple. But God, but I heard the Lord say to me, this is the identity piece, that you're like an Anna, that you just love to be in my presence. Just love to be there, and that, and and that, and that you have this remarkable ability to draw people in as well into that place, but that you're an Anna, and God just loves the fact that you've made your life a devotion to Him. Second, so this is identity, high value. This is kind of a clinic here. So the concept of high value, I do this all the time to people. They don't even know that I'm doing it. The concept. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of messing this up. If I had just kind of routed it off, you would say, "Oh, that's really sweet." But, I, but the concept of, of, of high v- value for you is I just had the sense that God says, I just love to hear it when you pray because you have such favor on you. There's such authority and you come across in just such a sweet, gentle kind of way. But I just felt like in, uh, that's what it sounds like on earth. But in heaven, it sounds like like this, this bass drum just pounding and that it captures the attention of heaven when you pray. God loves to hear your voice. That's the phrase that came to me. Bright future. I just saw you standing, it was like at the, at the doorway of, of the temple, and you were handing, and you were just saying, you got to go in, you've got to go in, you've got to go in, and you were just inviting people in, I just have this sense that part of your future is, uh, not now, but uh, now, and, and, and it will be even more so in, in, in the future, there's a gift of leadership in your life, but there, your leadership is that you have this gift of encouragement, like a bar, like a. Like a Barnabas, a son of encouragement. You, you just encourage people to get everything that God has for them. And you, you kind of almost push them into it, you know. Because and, and they don't often feel like they're ready. And you say, yeah, you are, push. And then they go, that's the sense that I had. And, but it's a wonderful gift of leadership that's on your life. And I think that God's going to just release that and develop that in your life. And that's the sense. So, yeah. that makes sense? Those of you that know it, does that make sense at all? Okay. See, there's. they say that it takes, it takes seven words of affirmation or seven positive words to, to negate or erase one negative word. But the studies are, are this. In North America, we live in a very negative society. It, we, we spout ten negative comments for every one positive comment. Do you see the problem here? We're never going to catch up. We need people, we need to be people with a blessing, that speak words, and, and so if you think it and it's positive, you gotta say, it. I practice this all the time. I could t- I give you a million stories about this. I do it in the restaurants. And you know, the, I get the best service in almost every restaurant, because I will speak words of affirmation over the waitresses or the waiters. You, you did an amazing job. Maybe they spilled the spaghetti on my lap. I don't care. My job is not to be blessed. My job is to be a blessing. So I would say, you know what, sweetheart? It's okay. Don't worry about it. I just want you to know you should have seen my first day on the job. It was bad. You're amazing. And I mean, just my cup never gets empty because people want to be in an environment of blessing. They want to be loved. And so do you. So do you. I want to pray a general prayer over you. And I realize I've used up my, my time here. And thank you for allowing me to... So, Lord, what else do you want me to do here? <laughs> I just feel like the Lord said, as I told you, I was supposed to come in and just infect you with the pandemic of agape. Father's blessing, the Father's love. Lord, I want to pray specifically tonight. Hmm. For those who would define their, their childhood as rejection, and the message that they received was one of indifference. Hmm. I, and, and I need to add this. I feel like the Holy Spirits bring this back to my mind right now that there's a, a a a little phrase that I use sometimes when I teach this, and I will say that that blessing withheld. Is much more cruel than blessing refused. Because if you were refused blessing, if you were told you didn't amount, wish you'd never been born, at least you know where you stand, right? But if blessing was withheld and you don't know, your parents never communicated, or those authority figures never believed in you and never spoke those things over you like my dad never did over me, blessing withheld was cruel because it created within me an insecurity. I'm not knowing who I was or what I could become in a sense of insignificance, not intent- not intentionally. My dad didn't know it. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't understand how it was impacting my psyche, and my little developing spirit. But God did. So over you, I want to say this. The Lord says, I love you with an everlasting love. I knew you. I wanted you. I chose you. I picked you. I knew you from before the foundation of the world. And he says, I chose you to be mine, my family. I've adopted you. Adoption or natural birth? Natural birth? Adoption is a choice. God said, I chose you. I chose you. Have a plan and a purpose for your life. And Lord, I also pray now that you would come and sweep in in this moment. I pray that your word would come alive to us. And for those who have never received those words of affirmation, those words of blessing from parents, hmm. I pray that, that your word would come alive. And I ask, Father, that in this moment that they would begin to hear every, every scripture passage that speaks of a blessing, of promise, uh, or of your love and your kindness. I pray, Father, you would help them to insert their name here mm-hmm. and that they would understand that that passage, this love letter, was written to them and to me. And it was a, an, an attempt of Heavenly Father to communicate his love and power and blessing and affirmation and approval, placement in family to them. Holy Spirit, would you do that? Hmm. And I also pray, Lord, you would help us, every one of us, not to have a sense of low value or insignificance, but rather, Lord, I pray that we would step up and step into the plans and purposes you have for us. I pray for faith and confidence and boldness that as we, are, as we are marinated in your love, I pray that it would soften our hearts to really step into the plans and purposes you have for every one of us. Now, Lord, may it happen. May it happen, Lord. May it happen. May it happen.
1: For those of you who feel that this was a message for you, you needed this. You knew that you needed this and you got it tonight. And, and you want to affirm what's been said. Maybe, maybe you didn't need it personally. You don't have to stand. But if this was something for you to strengthen your identity because you knew that you, you were ignored or you were avoided or you were neglected or you were abused, whatever of those, and you want to Yes, I am a value to the Lord. And if you take that prayer for yourself, not for somebody else, don't stand if you don't need to. But if that's for you and you're affirming that, you, I want you to stand because I want us to gather around those who are standing and, and keep the prayer going for a while. So stand up if what you heard tonight let me know it was for you. Gather, gather around people that are close to you, and we're going we're to do a, a, a little more prayer before we pray for one another. The Holy Spirit's a, a spirit of comfort. There's such a gentleness in the message tonight, such a gentleness even in the worship. And we want gentle Jesus, gentle Jesus tonight to be affirming his love and his care for you. He's such a kind person. He's such a kind shepherd. He's so kind to you. He's kind to give you the message that you got tonight. He's kind to speak lovingly to you and to affirm you in such a a direct way. His kindness softens your heart, gives you a sense of personal value, a sense of worth, a sense of well-being, a sense that it's going to be okay, that I can come to the place where I can say, thank you, you gave me the right father. Thank you, you gave me the right mother that you're going to use my past like like Joseph said God meant it for good that God takes those things that have been pain in our life and he brings them around to so, to the place that they have meaning and such value so father come now come now with your love come now with your favor Bible says that God pours his love into our heart through the Holy Spirit. And so we say Holy Spirit, would you make it real? Make it real now. Just say yes to it. Those of you who are around, this person you speak God's love and God's favor into
2: Sing with me, Jesus loves me this I know, for the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is.
1: Everybody should get prayer tonight. If you haven't gotten prayer, I don't care who you are, you need prayer. So we pray for one another. That's what we do. We get in a small group. So one or two or three. You can't get in a small group of one. That was, that's, that, you can't do that. you got to have at least two to make it a group. So lean together with someone. Pray wherever you are. Pray for one another. In a moment, we're going to go up for the newbie meeting. If you're a newbie, we'd love to talk with you.